and thanks for listening. I'm recording this episode on June 28th of 2020, and this particular discussion will probably be a multi-part series because there's a lot to unpack. So I have been sitting on these thoughts for several years, um, but they have certainly been building in intensity the last several months, and I think it's important to just give voice to these um, ideas that I've been mulling over for a long time, and it's something that I talk about with my close friends who are involved in um, various practices that we typically discuss here but I and and I have you know made like little jabs here and there on social media about this idea that I want to talk about today Um, but I think it's time to really flesh it out and explain um, to the best of my ability the things that I continue to see happening um, the ways in which occultism or at least certain branches of occultism and witchcraft and um, even astrology have been hijacked and manipulated by Western culture to essentially just become another self-serving enterprise and um, way to, you know, generate money. Um, So little disclaimer up front. I don't think that money is evil. Um, We need currency. You know, I view view it as an energy like anything else. It's just something that we have. It's a tool. It's all in how it's used that can create the problem. Um, So this isn't some big spiel on the evils of of money at all. Um, It's just more of, I guess you would say, like a cultural commentary on the ways that Western culture being driven by capital, aka money, has influenced uh, the journey, if you will, of things like um, witchcraft and astrology and healing and indigenous wisdom. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's just go there. Um, so where, where to begin even, um, we'll just start with witchcraft. Why not? So witchcraft has been around for a very long time. It wasn't always called witchcraft. That's definitely, um, a more modern title, a rebranding, if you will, Um, the roots of witchcraft are essentially based in indigenous wisdom. When I say indigenous, I don't mean just North American indigenous people. I mean people of all cultures. If you go back far enough, um, each civilization definitely had its own indigenous wisdom, its own um, system of beliefs and practices. People generally lived uh, very close to the earth. They respected and followed the natural cycles of the earth, um, even even regardless of like specific, um, you know, quote unquote religious beliefs, um, deities, etc. You can find a very very common thread throughout indigenous cult- cultures across the globe of um, just being really in tune with 
nature cycles rather than trying to dominate them or exploit them. And the same goes for resources, the same goes for people. Um, so in all of this, it's important to understand that some of the words I use may not mean what you would initially expect. Um, so in the moments when I speak of like Western culture, what I'm referring to is essentially like the Roman Empire after it essentially hijacked Christianity and used it to justify all of its atrocities. And the spread of those ideas, um, I feel like I could do an entire episode on the history of that, but I don't really know that that's my place. And there's probably other podcasts out there that can break that down more specifically than I can. Um, but when I say Western culture, I mean generally the patriarchal capitalist um, individualistic mentality that is very imperialistic, that is very interested in just colonizing and exploiting natural resources, including people. So, um, <laughs> the way that witchcraft has been, you know, it's been having quite a renaissance since a few years back when Jupiter uh, was in Scorpio. Of course, that's completely on point with um, the themes of, of that transit. People started learning more about the occult, becoming interested in occult, and um, now that we live in the internet era, um, it's very easy to find resources, which is funny because I feel like for the most part now, a lot of these words hold no meaning anymore, so the word occult doesn't really mean anything anymore. Um, initially, you know, it meant something that was hidden. Well, nothing's really hidden anymore. It's very rare. Um, if you want to learn about anything, it's, it's usually at the tip of your fingers. Um, if you know where to look, if you know how to look, it's not hard to come by. Which also makes ignorance a wee bit inexcusable. Um, <laughs> Not to say that everybody does have access to the same learning resources, but generally speaking, um, especially if you live in a, like America in a at least a middle class or above situation, you have tons of information at your fingertips at any given moment. So trying to learn about things that used to be occult is, is very easy now. Um, a lot of occult practices used to be there was gatekeeping, um, which now is sort of put in the context of like, oh, it's elitist and, um, you know, people should just like give their information away. That sounds nice. And not to say that certain occult uh, branches of the occult or occult societies weren't elitist, especially within West Western esoterica, they totally were. Um, things like Freemasonry and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's, there is a partial value to gatekeeping, especially when you're dealing with themes of colonization and exploitation. So the simplest example of this is the way that, um, 
spirituality, yoga, healing, um, you know, witchcraft, um, even astrology, there has been this huge social media boom where, you know, wealthy Anglo women, white women, um, have sort of jumped on this trend of being involved in these things, um, of using their platforms to quote unquote teach about these things. But what I see is, um, it's really just Western rebranding. So a lot of the language feels very scripted and very similar, um, which I find really unsettling. Um, And I guess I pay attention to these things because I used to teach yoga. Um, I left that whole world a few years ago because I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to be part of the yoga culture. Um, I didn't agree with a lot of the the ways that it was being taught and used. I don't feel like the culture around it was respectful of where it came from. It felt very much like um, it just became a way for people to make money um, as well as a way to sort of endlessly boost self-esteem and just make people feel really good about themselves. Now, making people feel good about themselves is not a bad thing. However, the toxic positivity around that culture of you should always feel great about yourself um, and you should always be passive and quote-unquote loving and empathetic and don't rock the boat, and positive vibes only. Um, There's this very problematic denial of shadow that I was noticing, and this goes for um, witchcraft and astrology and stuff like that as well. Um, I'm just using yoga as one example because it's true, but it's also because it's something that I've directly experienced. So... um, qualities, very, very human qualities of anger and um, passion and um, shadow. I mean, just, just sadness. Um, it, these things are integral to the human experience. We are not supposed to feel good all the time. We are not supposed to be happy all the time. We are not supposed to be Um, passive all the time that's very imbalanced and the irony of all of that is um, you know the word yoga means to unite or to bring together yoga is a practice of integration it's not taught that way it's largely taught as um, a denial of shadow and only a celebration of the light to the point of keeping people almost in like a cult 
um, mentality, like everybody's wearing white and everybody's smiling and nobody ever gets upset. It's like a fucking Prozac commercial. It's just, it's very eerie. And I found it to be incredibly dishonest and, and fragmented. Um, and that doesn't even go to speak towards the fact that like, you know, yoga comes from India. It comes from a completely different culture than Western culture. It's, um, its purpose is not accurately reflected in the way that yoga is taught in the West. Um, and there's a lot of, there's too much focus on passivity, in my opinion, um, where it's like, don't rock the boat, just accept things as they are, everything's fine. And that mentality works if the system that you live in is already benefiting you. So there's a conversation around, uh, around this involving privilege. And I think a lot of people misinterpret privilege. So privilege doesn't mean that you never have anything bad happen to you. It just means that you are in a position of greater opportunity and ease than other people. So if you're born into a family that naturally has more money, you have more security, you have more opportunity. Um, if you are born as a white person, especially a, into a wealthy family, you know, more doors will naturally open for you. So um, it's easy to not want to rock the boat of the system that supports you. And it's easy to tune out the ways that that system exploits other people because it's not happening to you and it's probably not happening to your friends if you only surround yourself with people that have your same life experience, which is very common human behavior. We just, we just gravitate towards people that are like us because it's just easier um, and more comfortable. So I've found that following people of that particular status um, online who try to perpetuate this archetype of a healer, of a savior, of um, an enlightened being is very gross. Um, it's very inauthentic and the ways that um, vulnerability has become a performative exercise robs it of its meaning. So being vulnerable only in ways that make you look like a hero or only in ways that make you look like um, a martyr, that's not integrated. That's not the whole picture. And I don't think that anybody really can give a fully integrated portrayal of themselves through the lens of social media because it is fragmented, it is one-dimensional. Um, and also, like, some stuff just isn't anybody's business. So <laughs> so there's that, of course. But overall, um, the, the white guru, priestess, healer archetype is just... It's social media is overrun with that archetype. And it's interesting um, that this collective 
archetype, you know, these collective members of this one sort of cult that are possessed by this this archetype um, aren't, from what I've seen, are largely not speaking out about political matters, are not speaking out about environmental matters, are not speaking out about um, human rights issues. They are largely still talking about themselves. Um, they are largely still talking about their own... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It just feels very self-centered and very... Um, it's, not, it's not about helping heal other people truly. It's really about these people assuming the role of a leader and a guru so that they can attract a following, so that they can make money, so that they can ad advance themselves. Now, of course, people who are teaching certain things that are very time intensive, very work intensive, should charge a fair price for teaching classes for educational purposes. There should be an equal exchange of energy when it comes to stuff like that. That's fine. But what I see is largely um, these people are constantly plugging themselves as a teacher, as a healer, as a whatever, um, and then they're only offering the most basic, regurgitated, whitewashed material that you could find in a Google search. Um, and it's, it's mostly like repetitive themes that everyone else is already talking about. It's not anything that you really have to study. It's just readily available copy and paste material. And they want way more money than that's worth anyway. So I don't see the value in teaching people something that they can find on their own. Um, education is important and valuable, but like that is not educational. Um, just repeating themes that are already everywhere is not educational. Um, it makes people feel good. It makes people very comfortable. Um, so that's great. It doesn't actually uh, encourage growth and change, which are very uncomfortable processes. It's really just more about more of the same, say your affirmations, love yourself. Um, it's just this very self-centered and passive love and light stream of Garbage. It's just not true, and it's not real. And I say that as somebody who tried it for a while. Um, in my early 20s, I definitely, like, got intrigued by it at first. Like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a very um, scientifically-minded person in that, like, I will try anything once, even if it's just to see for myself, like, is this does this work? Um, and it, you know, it's, it feels like the most fragile band-aid 
that you could use. Getting up in the morning and telling yourself that you're beautiful and you're worthy and you're blah, 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 and you will attract money and you will do this. It's a band-aid. What you really need to do if you're struggling with self-worth issues is not talk to yourself in the mirror every day. It's to go to fucking therapy. And therapy is hard. And, and I understand that Um, not everybody has access to therapy. Not everybody has access to the money it takes to go to therapy. And so this isn't a put down on people who can't do that because the system that we live in does not, um, give everyone those same resources and opportunities. But for the, a lot of people who are already following these, these characters could very well go to therapy and they don't. Um, so you're caught in this feedback loop of just toxic positivity and self-love as commodity and, and like neuro-linguistic programming instead of self-love and integration as doing shadow work, as going to a therapist, as actually, you know, picking yourself apart and understanding, okay, why do I have issues with my body? Why do I have issues with um, security? Why do I have issues with money? Why do I have issues with relationships? That is where any form of transformation is found. You have to be willing to be really uncomfortable. You have to be willing to pull out the ugliest parts of yourself and look at them and and talk to them and understand them and I don't think that making a gratitude list every morning is going to do it for you Um, and again like it's not that these things in and of themselves are bad but it's like it's not that's not where it's at that's not it's just it's just a habit pattern to keep you complicit. It's like it's like breadcrumbs that don't lead to anywhere. It's like a circle of breadcrumbs and you just end up, you know, coming back to the same old issues and the same old problems because you haven't been taught how to do the real work of dealing with your shit. Um, because the people who are online, not everybody, but like most of them who are portraying this enlightened persona are not qualified. They're not therapists. They're not, um, medical professionals. They're not, they may not even be terribly successful or, or whole or secure. Um, I've seen plenty of people that put on a really good show on the internet but know for a fact that their personal lives are a hot dumpster fire. And of course you're not going to post that online. But it's troubling to me the way that um, so many people who are looking for actual healing, actual change, um, are falling into these sort of pits of distraction and and it's like a pacifier it's like you just here suck on this and shut up don't try to actually get to the root of the problem don't try to do the work because if people if everybody actually did the work the world would be so drastically different and we wouldn't um you know, you wouldn't, ideally you wouldn't have to 
feel this urge to follow people, strangers, strangers on the internet for guidance because you would know yourself better. A, a good teacher points you back to yourself. If you have gone to therapy and you've gone to a good therapist, all you're doing is, is being given this space to talk about things that you haven't been able to express. And all that therapist is doing is listening and holding up a mirror for you to say, this is what you're saying. Or they're asking you questions to shine a light on the things that you've buried or the things that you're afraid to look at. Um, so, I, yeah. <laughs> that's just one little... Um, that's one little part of the problem. And then when you get into things like money, um, again, you know, if, if somebody is teaching like actual valuable information or providing a service that is legitimate, of course there should be a fair exchange of energy, money, what have you, of course. Um, I don't think that we should just give everything away but I also don't think that people should be trying to sell things that are already readily available for free because that's exploitation. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who get caught in these scenarios just don't know any better and they're trying, um, you know, they're just striving to find a way to help themselves and heal themselves. Um, but there's just so much bullshit out there. <laughs> there's so much bullshit out there. Um, and it's an interesting to see with Jupiter and Capricorn. I talked about this in that episode, but Jupiter and Cap is very limited. Um, and it's very much like, here's, here's what's real. Here's what actually works. And so the people who with relation to money, especially people who do things like prosperity work. Okay. I could do a whole episode on just that, but <laughs> the notion of prosperity as just money is a very Western capitalist, uh, concept that has been ingrained to us culturally. Um, money equals wealth. That's not true. Um, and that's not to say it's like, yes, money buys food. Money keeps a roof over your head. Um, money gets you admission to health care. That's true. But when people talk about wealth and, you know, quote unquote prosperity, money isn't everything. We see celebrities kill themselves all the time because money isn't going to fix your relationships. Money isn't going to fix whatever kind of baggage that you have. Money is another band-aid and it's a means to an end, but it's not in and of itself the key. It might make it easier to open doors, but it itself is not the key. And there are people who have lots of money and mismanage it and vice versa. There's people who have very little money, but their lives are amazing. Um, they have good relationships. Um, they don't have insecurity issues like a lot of rich people might. Um, so it's just, I don't know how people can 
continue to believe and teach that prosperity equals money and money alone. So when you see people selling things like prosperity burns, okay. Also look at the price of that because witchcraft was not used to gain money. That was something that came through the spread of capitalism and Western culture. So the quote-unquote witches of, you know, the old days were people who had um, knowledge of medicinal plants, who had the, you know, like shamanic abilities to understand the human psyche, to understand the power of ritual, to understand how to... Um, process shadow and integrate it. Um, a lot of like shamanistic practices focus on the soul of the person. And there's a ton of overlap between shamanism and um, human psychology. And they knew these things far before, you know, psychoanalysis was a thing, was a branch of science. Certain cultures already understood the human psyche and understood um, ways that we can help process events in our life um, through dream work, through ritual, through the use of medicinal plants to have certain, you know, experiences of different levels of consciousness. Um, and it wasn't commodified. There may have been like a trade. So, you know, you would like bring the shaman food or something that you created for them. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't about money. So once um, Western culture spread, the notion of money as value instead of energetic reciprocity as value spread, um, as well as like Christian ideals, which we'll have a whole other talk about that on another day. Um, but the, you know, a lot of indigenous practices were eradicated because of Christianity and Christian beliefs, which sought to separate people from God um, and, and sought to perpetuate this notion of God as paternal and all-powerful and all-knowing and... Um, abstract and removed from the human experience. Indigenous cultures knew that God was not an anthropomorphic, you know, dude in the sky. Um, God is in the earth. God is in plants. God is in us. God is in our neighbors. Um, God is in animals. God is the energy that perpetuates the cycles of life and death. You see that in a lot of myths which were, you know, the religions of, you know, we call them myths now. They weren't myths back then. They were belief systems of people who were then colonized and ripped away from, from this notion of God as self and other and God as earth. And we're taught, no, you don't matter. You're separate. You just need to behave and you don't have any power. You only have power if you listen to the people above you, um, if you listen to the church, if you follow the rules established by the church. And that ties back into don't rock the boat. If we believe that 
the earth, that other human beings, that animals, that plants, natural resources, if we believe, <coughs> excuse me, that that is God, then we do not exploit those things. It's no wonder that Western culture, <clears throat> in the interest of money, has betrayed God as the separate entity. So going back to the notion of um, prosperity as money, that's an abstract concept. Money is abstract. It's an abstract representation of energy, but it inherently only has value because we believe it does, because we've been told that it does. Whereas if you're trading goods or services, that's a much more tangible, tactile, experiential um, idea of wealth, of something having value. Whereas with money, it's like, it's just, it's literally just paper and metal. Like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know that people think about it that way, but that's really all it is. So... Um, you know, online, people are selling these prosperity burns. It's very interesting to me to see that a lot of people that start doing that are broke, um, which might be one of the reasons that they focus on prosperity work, but I wouldn't want somebody who has a bad relationship with their resources to be doing work in the interest of my relationship with resources. And over time, it's like if that said person does start to gain wealth or, you know, just money generally, um, it's because the, the oh Lord, I'm going to have to go off on an, another tangent. <clears throat> um, everything is balanced right? Or everything should be balanced. Um, nature seeks harmony and balance. Now that doesn't, balance doesn't mean that everything is great all the time. It means that there are equal, equal parts, good and bad, equal parts, um, creation and destruction, et cetera, et cetera. Everything always seeks to level itself out. Um, so our relationship to resources for the sake of this argument, we will use money. Um, needs to be balanced. You need to, um, and I'm just saying this outside of the fact that like the system we live in is sh shitty to certain kinds of people and limits their ability to accrue wealth. That is a fact. Um, but I'm just making a simpler argument for the sake of this. So, um, if you have money issues, there is an imbalance there. Now, sometimes it is because our relationship to resources is imbalanced. So we're spending more than we save or we're spending more than we earn. So you have to learn to like work that out. The notion of prosperity burns or any kind of money magic when it's purely based on money and numbers, the idea is that you're going to uh, manifest money which, by the way, is a lot easier for white people. Um, so th this notion of manifesting money, you know, almost like you're going to pull it from thin air. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I'm saying it's a Band-Aid. You might manifest that money. 
You might even have, you know, if you're the fucking Abraham Hicks lady, I could do a whole episode about her because she's a nut job. Um, You know, this notion, oh, you can just like, or or the secret for that matter, um, write down the exact amount of money you want and then, you know, think about it and it'll come to you. I've known people that have done this personally and it does work, but that's an imbalance. You're not, if you're not earning it, if it just falls in your lap somehow, it's a temporary fix. It's not lasting. It's not enduring. And that money is going to leave you as quickly as it came. Um, this one astrologer whose work I really appreciate, Austin Kopic, was on some podcast talking. He, he brought up you know, money manifestation magic and how you have to be careful about the ways that you do it because it works, but it can be quite volatile because people don't think about um, magic and manifestation in terms of balance. So there was this guy who like needed a really specific amount of money. I think he said it was like $150,000. He did this ritual at the correct time, um, this really elaborate ritual to get that money. And then a month later, his house burned down and his insurance check was for that exact amount. It's like, that's just an example of what you think you want isn't always what's meant for you. But also, if you try to cheat the system, that doesn't, it's not going to bring you actual prosperity. It's not going to bring you actual wealth. So when people are selling prosperity burns, you're not only probably in a position of limited resource yourself because why else would you be interested in that you know if your if your money situation is fine you don't need a prosperity burn so then you're you're hardy in a situation of limited resource and then you're sending some of your resources to someone who's probably a complete stranger on the internet and trusting that they are going to do some kind of work for you and that you're going to get money from that a lot of it's placebo, a lot of it's temporary. These people build their business on preying on people who are already in financial hardship. So true prosperity work would look like um, trying to manifest a job, a better job that would allow you to make more or a better job, you know, it might not even be about money, a better job that works for your schedule for your family so you can be around your kids more, Um, or manifesting a better housing situation. It's important to remember that what you want is a long-term stable solution, and that takes time. But the way that things are touted now, especially with witchcraft, um, manifestation, things like that, it's all the very stereotypical capitalist instant gratification model um, that also keeps people in a cycle of dependency because you're not being taught how to do your own work. You're not being taught um, about how to establish a more balanced relationship to resources. Um, So don't fall into that trap. (laughs) Please, please don't. And it's really problematic that um, this notion of, you know, new agey manifestation work, um, 
matching something to your vibration, blah, blah, blah. It sounds great. Um, it sounds like it would be wonderful, um, but it denies the fact that the system that we live in only works for certain people. So perpetuating this idea of abundance is a slap in the face to people who are discriminated against by the system that we live in. Um, and I think this is also a tool of Western culture, of you know patriarchy, of capitalism, to put the blame on the individual. It's that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, but if you don't even have boots, how the fuck are you supposed to do that? So it's very um, disingenuous and just frankly disturbing that there are people out there who perpetuate this this notion of like, oh, there's all this abundance and you just have to think about it and you just have to vibrate at that level and then it'll come to you. Um, That's just not true. It might, again, it might work for certain kinds of people who are already at an advantage within the existing structure, but it doesn't work for a lot of other people. Um, It's very, very insulting to say that to a single mother that has to work three jobs to feed her children. Um, And this this broader notion of, like, you attract your experience is very um, imbalanced. That kind of thinking makes sense if you haven't ever had any, like, serious trauma in your life it's easy to think that, oh, well, if I'm just in a good mood all the time, nothing bad will happen to me. That's failing to recognize that if nothing bad ever happens to you, the structure that you live in is protecting you. And that is not true for everyone. So saying that you attract your experience to a woman who's been raped is incredibly you know, insensitive. And I know that people would say, well, that's not, that's not what that means. But that is what that means. If you're saying that every choice you make and everything you do attracts your experience, that means that you are solely responsible for everything that happens to you. And that's just not true because you cannot control other people's actions. Now, there is something to be said for making healthy choices and making smart choices, but at the end of the day, You cannot control what other people do, and if you just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, you might be the victim of somebody else's fucked up situation through no fault of your own. Um, You know, saying you attract your experience to to a mother whose child has cancer is incredibly insensitive, and and I want this notion of. the focus, the onus on life's experiences falling solely on the shoulders of individuals while denying the collective structure, I want that to go away because it's so toxic and it's just not true. That's not to say that working on yourself and and keeping an optimistic outlook and making good choices doesn't affect your life. Of course it does. But again, You know, if you're somebody who has had the privilege of not experiencing trauma, not experiencing racism, not experiencing poverty, you you just don't get it. (laughs) 
you don't get it. And the fact that people can even say those things, I feel like the people who perpetuate this idea are the people who have not experienced those things. Um, and again, it's another denial of shadow. It's a denial of the problems that are out there in the world. And it's an attempt to train individuals to think that if I don't see it, and I don't speak it, and I don't notice it, it's not real. Well, it might not be real for you, um, but it's very real for everybody else. So that's another thing to, to look out for. There's just this overemphasis on everything being great all the time, and that's just not true for human experience. Um, even for people of privilege, it's like you're going to have death, you're going to have loss, you're going to have um, saying that shit happens. That's just life. Um, so I don't think it's okay to like perpetually tell people that if something bad happens to them, it's their fault. Which again, that is simply a tool of a patriarchal capitalist structure. It's your fault. Um, and this isn't to celebrate people who do lack um, accountability. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but it, with regard to this specifically, it's like putting 100% of the accountability on the individual while denying that the system we live in has anything to do with our experience. That's not true, and that's not fair. Um, and the whole fucking vibration shit. Oh, my God. I cannot anymore with this, like raise your vibration, good vibes only, you know, it's such a denial, it's such a fucking denial of human nature, of nature itself, of the human experience, um, and I don't think people even fucking know what they mean when they say that, it's just something that has become like a cultural meme in that realm, and it's like, oh, I don't feel great today, let me raise my vibration, it's like the fucking antidepressant of, um, the spiritual guru world of the internet, it's another fucking band-aid, denying your feelings is horrible. It's very psychologically damaging. It's not helpful. You need to feel how you feel. If you don't let yourself feel it, it's never going to process. It's never going to go away. Please don't let anybody ever tell you how you should fucking feel because they don't know your life. They don't know your experience. Um, and that's another patriarchal structure of like, uh, don't, you know, don't get upset, don't be sad, don't be angry, because those feelings, when you have emotions like that, it means that something needs to change. And if you're not letting yourself sit in that feeling of sadness or depression or loss or, or anger and rage, you're not going to then be propelled into action or into change. You're going to maintain the status quo and tell yourself that everything's fine and it's your fault that you feel bad and you should just raise your vibration. Um, that's fucking horseshit. And <laughs> it's not healthy and it's not helpful. Stop fucking saying it. Stop saying it. Um, that leads right into the commodification of self-care. So self-care touted as, oh, you should buy this crystal. Oh, you should buy this, um, 
book, although, I mean, I love books, so can't hate on that entirely, but it's like, it's just another way for people to peddle shit that we don't need. If you're going to invest in self-care, it shouldn't cost you a ton of money. Take a nap. Um, take a walk outside. Um, you know, hang out with your dog. Hang out with your family. Uh, go to bed early. Eat healthy. Um, which again, definitely kind of a point of privilege there because not all people have access to fresh foods, which is a fault of the system, not the individual. Um, but self-care, it's like I see, I'm very, I'm, I'm just not a consumer-driven person. That's obvious by now. And so I think it's important to not shame people for enjoying things because that's human nature, but I think we need to shift our value of what is worth enjoying. So one example of this would be like those monthly subscription boxes where it's like, oh, you know, pay $10 and we'll send you this, you know, a candle and a fucking card and magical bath shit. I don't know, whatever's in there um, every month. And then you can really treat yourself okay, it's a band-aid <laughs> and it's stupid and it's wasting resources. You can make, the, it's all based around convenience and laziness. I think people have really not been taught the value of doing your own shit. So with prosperity work, learn how to do that work yourself. Learn how to do your own ritual. Learn how to meditate. Learn how to focus on like, okay, what do I need? Um, why don't I have it yet? What can I do to make that more attainable for myself in practical real world ways? And it's the same with self-care. It's like, okay, what? stop long enough to ask yourself what you need not even necessarily what you want because sometimes i don't think that we even understand um we haven't picked apart the things that we have been taught to want so we think that we want things we want more shit to put in our house um that's uh, through the grand scheme of things probably going to end up in a fucking landfill so just using subscription boxes as like one example, you know, you're paying money for cheap stuff to be mailed to your house when you could spend the same amount of money on like, go buy some Epsom salts and drop a, a little bit of essential oil in there. And, you know, a candle is like 50 cents, um, at the fucking dollar store. You're not wasting money on transporting this stuff to your house in a box. Um, yeah, it's just, maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's just another example of like how, like the commodification of self-care, the commodification of spirituality, it's all a fucking distraction and it shouldn't cost you anything to, to really get to know yourself. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> so something else, <laughs> That I notice with um, people that are perpetuating this archetype of like the healer, the guru, blah, blah, blah. These people have the worst fucking boundaries 
ever. And they're the people that are talking about being vulnerable. And they're the people who are talking about setting healthy boundaries. And they themselves have garbage boundaries. Um, because they need attention. They need people to admire them and constantly reinforce them, which is not healthy, um, which points to things like insecurity or egomania, which is probably just like another symptom of insecurity, um, some kind of coping mechanism. But, you know, everyone does have different boundaries for themselves, um, different limits, it's important to not look to other people to tell you what your boundaries should be. It's also not healthy to think that you have established a deep emotional connection with someone over the internet who has a large platform, especially when you've never met them. DMs are not the same as face-to-face conversation. You don't know this person. You don't know how they actually are in the real world. You know a projected hologram of what they want you to think they are. So confiding in people like that or building these very strong, toxic, emotional attachments that are largely one-sided for that matter is not good. And people encouraging that kind of weird um, attachment is largely for their own gain because they want more followers, because they, again, it's like a cycle of codependency. It's an imbalance. People are seeking online what they have not been able to find in their own communities because we're also disconnected while ironically being electronically connected through the internet, which is not the same. It's not a real community. That's not to downplay the value of like, you can encounter people that you wouldn't normally encounter in real life. You can build real friendships and connections, but the only way you do that is to take it off the internet, to go meet that person, to get to know that person, like as a whole individual who exists outside of the square of your phone. So we will use um, the example of shitty boundaries to segue into the next issue with all of this, which is cultural appropriation. Now, there is nothing wrong with appreciating the culture of other people. That's great. Um, I think part of what makes life so interesting is that people are so different Yes, there are commonalities underneath all of it. We all want to be healthy. We want, you know, our children to be safe. Um, we want to generally live a decent amount of time. We want to be loved. Da 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 da. Of course, that's universal. But the unique expression of people and groups of people and cultures is great. Um, Western culture and that sort of like colonial drive. Um, to take over other cultures and like homogenize them and just it's like that um, oh what's that movie Spirited Away that Miyazaki film um, No Face he just sort of like eats everything I feel like that's western culture in a lot of ways it just consumes everything and, and wants it to just like become part of itself but not in any like healthy way it's just like this gross blob that's like absorbing everything around it with no accountability and no restraint it's very it's like a very gluttonous um energy 
So when we talk about cultural appropriation, it's not to say that you can't or shouldn't enjoy other cultures, but that it should be done respectfully and that you shouldn't think that you can just um, take something that's not yours. That is a huge fucking problem in the modern, like, quote-unquote, spiritual social media realm. Um, It's also a problem with, like, anthropologists who go into certain indigenous cultures and they ask these people a million questions and then they leave and they don't you know and they write a book and they make money off of it but they don't ever give you know the proceeds of that to those communities that helped them write the book in the first place which ties back into gatekeeping um which sometimes is necessary to avoid exploitation um some things need to be protected because there's an understanding that if you don't share it with the people who will honor it, then it will be desecrated. So um, this ranges anywhere from like people, like white people that wear fucking turbans to mala beads to feather earrings to headdresses to um, it's just so tacky and the offense the offense is not in the thing itself right it's that you're not honoring the culture you're consuming it there is a difference um so i'll use myself as an example i have lots of tattoos i have an unalome on my neck apparently that's pretty trendy now um I am not Tibetan. I studied Tibetan meditation and Tibetan culture a whole, like for several years um, in my adolescence. I thought it was fascinating. I used to meditate a lot. I probably really need to get back on that. (laughs) But it was a big part of my life. Um, And I tried to like, share books with people and be like, oh, this teacher, you know, I found this teacher really interesting. Um, I found this practice really helpful. I tried as best I could to honor that culture. Now, I'm not Tibetan. Um, I decided to get the Unalom tattoo that I have because of my emotional attachment and appreciation for that culture. And I had a dream that I had it on my neck before I got it. So I took that as a sign that like, hey, this is okay. I didn't get it because it fucking looked cool on Pinterest. I didn't get it because whoever else has it, it was like a very conscious decision on my part. Um, Whereas I think a lot of people just jump on trends, um, whether it be tattoos, whether it be aesthetics in general, um, because it's just, it's just out there in the ether and there's no attention to, okay, well, where does this come from? What does this actually mean? Um, what does this represent? Who are the people that came up with this system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not digesting the intent and, um, the, meaning behind these things you're just consuming it at face value that's the problem so it's very cringy to see um anglo people 
call themselves shamans. Um, there may be some exceptions out there, people that have actually lived with tribes, with um, cultures for years and years and years and have gotten the approval of those people. You know, that is, is a different situation where they have honored that culture by living with it and in it. Um, and honoring it for years and studying it for years versus just using the word. Um, you know, Anglo, Anglo women calling themselves brujas. You're not a fucking bruja. That's not your word to use. Or priestess. Or, you know, it's like, it's just all these titles and this like very meaningless self-serving consumption that goes around and around. Using the word yogi. Um, even if you teach yoga, that doesn't make you a yogi. You don't understand what that word means if you just throw it up in your Instagram bio because you teach, um, especially if you teach in America to all white clients at a white-owned studio. You're not a yogi. Yoga is not just moving your body. It's not just saying namaste at the end of a class. It is an entire lifestyle um, and, and a culture that has been, the practice has been completely removed from the culture. That's what cultural appropriation means. It's that you take parts of it and remove it from the whole source of it and you use it to suit yourself. Um, it's, it's like you don't, you don't want to shame people who don't know better, but you want people to know better. <laughs> you really want people to know better, and that's our problem, and I hope that that's changing, but um, by the same token, American culture and Western culture as a whole is like super selfish, so it's going to be an ongoing thing, um, but it's just something I see a lot in that, in that world online, in that digital space. Um, you know, people who have had unexceptional lives in upper middle class America who are dressing themselves with the trappings of other cultures that they have never even encountered. They've never gone to that country. They don't know the language. They don't understand the religion. It's just, um, it's just a different costume to wear to feel important. So, um, <laughs> bless you if you are still with me. I'm just letting her rip today. Um, sometimes you got to get it out. Also, Mars just moved into Aries, so I'm really channeling that fire. <laughs> um, so we'll use that, you know, the issues of cultural appropriation to talk about, um, sort of Western versus Eastern attitudes and notions around, um, these themes. So the Eastern model is very much um, centered around the whole and um, what is best for the whole. What is what serves the greater purpose? Now Western culture is much more individual uh, in its it's centered around the self so the concept of the self in a lot of eastern traditions if you have studied like actually studied meditation from um, Tibetan or Hindu or um, 
Buddhist teachers who are from that culture, that's where you get into the, this discussion of not having a self. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't exist as an individual. It means that you gain this understanding that you are not separate in your actions. You are not separate in your existence. Everything is intertwined. Um, every action has a reaction. That's where the concept of karma comes from. So karma is another thing that has been skewed by Western culture. So we view it as a debt system. Um, we view it as transactional. Karma, the word karma means action. It means doing. So it's, again, tying back to those indigenous themes of balance where every action has a consequence. It has a reaction. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's literally just how the world works. Um, that's what karma means. So it's when you're dealing with things like karma, it's the understanding that everything you do affects people around you. It affects the planet. It affects living things. Um, so that's where things like the, the bodhisattva vow come from, where it's, you know, may all beings be happy and free and liberated, and may my actions um, make it so. So Eastern traditions have this understanding that sacrifices need to be made in order for everyone to have enough, whereas Western um, attitudes and cultures around things are more... Um, based in like conquering and accruing and exploiting for the benefit of the self. Now, the only time you get into um, notions of groups or, or quote unquote the whole in Western culture is when it relates to government or country. So, nationalism, um, government, you know, being supportive of the troops, which Please don't mistake this. I support the troops. I just wish that they didn't have to go to other countries and murder and also get murdered. Um, but just these um, these things, the only time oneness comes up in Western culture is like, oh, well, we have to, you know, do what's best for the country. And we have to, and it's like, well, who's deciding that? Are citizens deciding that? Or is the government deciding that? So... Um, the oneness in Eastern traditions is like the oneness of the whole fucking earth. And the oneness in Western tradition is the, the oneness of capital, the oneness of um, the establishment of wealth, which doesn't include a lot of people, the oneness of business, the oneness of government and the military industrial complex. So... That's a big distinction. And then you have, taking it to simpler terms, the notions of magic versus medicine. So in indigenous cultures, um, all of these things were not considered magic. It wasn't considered unusual. It wasn't considered paranormal. It was just understood that um, it was part of the whole. Not everybody could access it as well. That's why you have um, shamans and medicine people. And that was something that I encountered um, when I started studying my own ancestry and, and things like that. It was like the, the idea of healing was not magical. 
it was very much rooted in the earth and our relationship to it and using things of the earth to make ourselves better. Um, if you study indigenous cultures, um, it all ties into that balance. So the, an illness in the body is understood as some kind of imbalance that has to be restored, but it also has to be restored in a balanced manner. So when we look at Western approach to medicine, the balance is often not restored. It's just you slap a bunch of Band-Aids on it, be it medication, be it um, just any any kind of smaller thing that rather than restoring wholeness, keeps us in a state of medicated, manageable illness. Um, So like mental illness, for instance, is treated completely differently and much more holistically in uh, Eastern and or indigenous culture versus Western culture, where we just fill people full of chemicals and if they're lucky they get to go to therapy and sort through their shit but it's more about like numbing away the problem and denying the problem versus being willing to go deeper and deeper into the root of the problem in order to heal it so I see this a lot too in modern you know portrayals of witchcraft and healing it's a denial of shadow or it's exploitive so there's a lot of people online that claim to be herbalists who don't grow their own um, the the plants that they use they forage it irresponsibly or they buy it uh, from like monoculture farms they don't grow it themselves they don't tend to it themselves they don't um sustainably raise it and use it so that's another exploitive even though they're trying to use the plants in a way that is healing if you don't source them in a way that is healing and sustainable whatever you make from it is going to be tainted that's an issue with everything in in modern western culture but that's just an example so if you're trying to um use those things for yourself and you're not able to um grow the plants yourself or learn about how to make tinctures and things yourself, then then you really need to do your research on people who are selling these things and make sure that everything is ethically sourced um, and honored. Like the plants are honored um, in the way that they are harvested, grown, and used. Um, But I think because all of these things are inherent in indigenous culture... Um, it's hard, it's hard to merge opposing cultures. So when I see things, whether they be Eastern or indigenous that come into Western culture, they're often stripped of that lens of holistic approach of honoring the earth, um, of being willing to make sacrifices for the betterment of all. Um, they're stripped of that idea of balance and restoration and sustainability, and instead it just becomes another thing about me. Um, and that's why, even though, <laughs> even though I call this podcast Practical Magic, the reason that I named it that is because I want to like demystify these things and for people to understand that the notion of magic, as it's largely portrayed in Western culture, is 
smoke and mirrors. Um, a lot of these things are not abstract, although they are portrayed as such. They're not so far removed from you, although they are portrayed as such. You don't necessarily need um, some guru to get you in touch with these things. All of these things are readily available. You just have to do your work yourself to get in touch with them on a very personal level. Um, so when things are sold as like magical, like even nature, the, the idea that nature is magic. Okay, well, yes and no. Nature is nature. Nature has always been amazing. Nature has always been awe-inspiring, but it has had to be turned into something magical because we live so out of touch with it, and it becomes another commodity. It becomes something that we, um, you know, take a picture of and post to be like, look, I went out in nature today, but it's not taught as something that we honor day-to-day in our existence because nothing about our culture as Western American, you know, people honors nature. It is a commodity. It is removed. You have to go outside um, and go to a specifically designated nature trail to find it. Um, There's all these barriers established by Western culture. Um, Western culture is very, very Saturnian. So you're dealing with obstacles and walls and, um, limitations. Whereas indigenous culture, it's like nature is nature and it is magical, but it's actually integrated into society, into daily rituals. If you look at things like Shintoism, understanding that every, everything has a life force behind it. If you look at it that way, then of course your actions are going to honor that versus trying to manipulate it and usurp it and use it for your own benefit. Um, that's why I do take issue with certainly like Western Christianity because my ancestry believed and believes that like the earth is God. So because the earth is God, you don't mistreat it. Um, whereas Christianity is like, oh no, you know, the kingdom of God is after you die and don't worry about it right now, just be good. And um, there's not a lot of focus on the here and now. It's, it's again, it's in that Western way, it's very abstract. It's very based in the mind. Um, it's not tangible. So it teaches people to focus on something in the future, um, something you get as a reward versus the actions that you need to take here and now to honor where we are, where we live, um, where our children will live. Um, so it's anytime something from Eastern culture or indigenous culture comes to the West, it, it's stripped of a lot of things before it even makes it to a point of being a trend. We see this with mindfulness. Um, Mindfulness, if you study it um, in the the Eastern tradition where it came from, mindfulness is um, a a training exercise in compassion, in um, communication, in honoring the fact that your actions affect everybody, in honoring the fact that you don't know what somebody's going through. Um, 
and it's not it's meant to tap you into everything else so that you don't take your actions lightly so that you're mindful of the fact that you do have an effect on the world around you and the people around you well mindfulness made it to the west and now it's you know used as a way to train workers to be extra focused and extra productive at their office jobs um that's not <laughs> that's not mindfulness at all but again you know a lot of people don't know that because they they haven't studied or even been pointed in the direction of studying the root of where that comes from um and so, too, like the the Western notion of compassion, um, the Eastern notion of compassion, compassion is an action. So it's not just about having a feeling of empathy. Um, it's about being moved to act. Um, there's a lot in yoga about taking the correct action. It's not passive at all but western compassion is very much passive um it's it's a lot of hand wringing and and oh that's so terrible oh and virtue signaling but it's not a lot of like okay what are we gonna do about this it's more getting stuck in the feeling of well i feel bad and then moving on to the next thing um which i think is intentional because if people, as we've been seeing, especially this year, if people are moved enough to act, then it challenges the system that currently runs the show. And that's a problem. So in looking online, um, I would just suggest to be very discerning and very wary of who you follow, who is touting themselves as like, any kind of spiritual leader, um, anyone who is deserving of a platform to instruct other people on what to do with their emotions, what to do with their life, um, what to do with their bodies and their health. Are they sharing sources that tie all the way back into the culture that, that those practices came from? Or are they only sharing Western authors, Western um, figureheads, Western teachers who are teaching things that did not come from the West. That's something to look out for. Um, Look out for like performative vulnerability. Look out for um, posts and language, language that is very recycled and unoriginal and inauthentic. Um, scripted language, you'll see a lot of the same words, you know, love and light, higher vibration, um, vulnerability, authenticity. It's ironic the way that these words through overuse have again, they're just a commodity now. They don't mean anything. Um, It's just something that people say. It's just another costume that people put on. Um, So don't take advice from people who are not mental health professionals, um, who are not health, you know, accredited health professionals when it comes to what you should do with your body, what you should do with your diet, um, what you should do for your mental health. Um, Don't take advice 
from somebody that you don't know or somebody who doesn't really show you the good and the bad of their life. And I don't even mean that in a performative way. I mean, if, you know, if, if somebody never admits that they have a bad day or when they do have a bad day, they make a post that only glorifies their own resiliency and how this, you know, it's just a reminder to focus on the good and the light and the blah, blah, blah. Um, that's not integrated. That's not whole. Watch out for people who tout themselves as healers, priestesses, you know, witches, like, are they, are they living that way? Or are they just performing as such? Are they actually honoring the cultures that those things come from? Or are they just trying to, like, look cool and make money are they always trying to sell you something like it's one thing to offer a workshop here or there or a class here or there it's different when every post or every other post is directed at hey you should buy this hey you need this um that's that's capitalism that's not that's not spiritual (laughs) that's not um interested in in the work of healing it's it's getting money. Um, and again, money is inherently, inherently bad, but the way that it is used and the way that it is um, earned is up for question, for sure. Watch out for language that's all about me, me, me. Um, how many times does somebody use the word I in a post? That's, that's pretty telling. Um, and look out for like, just that that repetitive language neurolinguistic programming is a thing and i'm not trying to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist because i don't think that most people even know this but um look it up and then pay attention to social media captions if somebody is always repeating the same sentences the same words the same kind of language that you see everywhere else that's not good um and they may not even know that they're doing it the way that social media works especially it's very subconscious and it kind of gets into your head um and we you know that's that's what a meme is it's something that just spreads rapidly through the culture and people just like start repeating it or or displaying it or enacting it um so that's definitely like really telling too if somebody doesn't have their own story um, or if it just sounds like the same rehashed shit that 47,000 other influencers are trying to do or, or saying or whatever, um, that's cause for concern. So be on the lookout for that. And one last thing I feel like is really important to say, because I'm so tired of it being um, shamed and or misrepresented, anxiety is valid. Um, I think one of the reasons that people have so many mental health issues today is because we aren't taught to take care of our mental health in the proper way because doing so would fuck up capitalism. Um, Instead of being taught to sit still or to be alone for a while or to really critically think about things and process things, we're taught to stay distracted, to buy a bunch of shit, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Take a pill, you'll be fine, don't worry about it, just keep going. People need to rest, people need to reflect. 
Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling anxious and sad and depressed in a culture that is so fucked up. Um, So don't let people's fake happiness make you feel bad that you're struggling with your mental health because I think that's a sign of awareness, honestly. Um, If you're aware of what's going on and you're not concerned, that is concerning. Um, I see a lot of talk around like letting go of what no longer release or or um, releasing what no longer serves you. You can't do that until you process it first. So don't try to just shun your anxiety or shun your depression. It doesn't mean that you have to to stick, you know, get stuck in it forever. But there's something there that is try, it's trying to teach you something. It's trying to show you something. And no, it's not, it doesn't feel good. It's not meant to. Um, if we felt good all the time, nothing would ever change. But but don't let someone else's like performative highlight reel fool you into thinking that that's life and that that's what your life should be. If you have mental health issues, you're not alone and it's okay to look into why and it's okay to be fucking sad or upset or full of rage. Like those emotions teach us things and you have to be willing to process them and sit with them and not deny them in order to understand why you feel the way you feel. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there will probably be at least one more, if not several episodes on the subject matter, because I, it's just very troubling. Um, the trends that I see and the way that people portray themselves as, you know, healers, gurus, yogis, spiritual teachers, witches, occultists, whatever, a lot of it is just performative garbage and, I don't see enough people talking about it, so I I don't want people to get preyed upon. Um, that's my biggest concern there because it's very it's very easy. So yeah, thanks for listening. Um, just a, just a bit of a rant session, little Mercury retrograde. Um, just ugh. like I said, sometimes you you just got to get it out. But anyway, just some stuff to look out for. Um, my very humble opinion that nobody asked for, but there it is. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Um, we will talk again soon for sure. Take care of yourselves.